I'll be speaking on what I call as far as your eyes can see. As far as your eyes can see. And um, you know, the, the song we sang earlier, Deep Calling Unto Deep, um, that, you know, the channels of our spirit should open up and all that. I think that just gives us a brief summary of, of what we are looking at this morning. You know, and I'm trusting God for grace to be able to accurately bring the mind of God to us. So, it's, it's not far away from some of the things that um, I've spoken about previously um, to us, about the things that I believe God is saying to us in this season, um, particularly in the year 2022, as a group, as a church. Um, it's, for me, it's, it's, it's a fire that burns in my heart, that, that, that understanding that realization that God, you know, I said it earlier, I think some weeks ago, that God is calling us to more. And um, that's, that's where we are still standing this morning, declaring again and again that we are in the season of more. We are in the season that God is calling us to more. And that's, um, that's, that's where um, I drew the topic, as far as your eyes can see. Why? Because the things that God is calling us into needs your participation. God needs your participation. God needs your cooperation. God needs your involvement. God needs your faith. God needs you to be actively involved. Um, it, it's not just, yes, it, is, it will be the doing of the Lord, but it is not just what the Lord will do. It is that we will become co-laborers in that which the Lord is doing. Hallelujah. Um, the expectation of God, he said, uh, 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 the children of Israel went to battle and God gave them victory. But there was a particular city that didn't fight with them. And scripture says, I think in the book of Judges, either Judges or Joshua, scripture says, cause ye merose. Why? Because in the day that the Lord went to battle, he did not go to fight the battle of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we don't want to be those people who stand apart in the day that the Lord is moving. Um, Jesus said, uh, uh, the disciples of Jesus came and said, Oh, Jesus, we, we saw a man who was casting out devils in your name. And we stopped him. He said, No, 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 don't stop him. He said, he that, is not, he that is not against me is with me. You know, uh, uh, it, it really doesn't matter. Let him be. Let him cast out devils. Why? Because he's doing the good work, even though it does not belong to our company as such yet. Hallelujah. So we, we must be co-laborers. We, we must be people who are partnering with God. And that's why our involvement is crucial. It's not something we are going to leave for God to do. It is something we are going to join hands together with the Lord to accomplish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, so... In that light, we, we, we are looking at this topic and, um, you know, the text is taken from the book of Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13 from verses 14 to 18. Genesis chapter 13. We remember Genesis chapter 12, um, how Abraham left his, his father's land, left his family, you know, um, because God called him out of, of that family and all that. And he, he went... Believing God. He went out in faith, trusting God to lead him to that land 
that God had promised him, you know. And he went with his cousin, Lot. And after a time, the Lord began to bless both of them. I believe God blessed Lot also because of Abraham, you know. And, and, and the company became very big, that the land was not sufficient for both of them. And at a time, there, there was, you know, the, the, the servants of Abraham and the servants of Lot began to fight. They began to have arguments. Why? Because the land was not sufficient. And Abraham called Lot and said, See, we don't need to quarrel over this. Look to the land. Choose one side. When, if you go to this side, I will go to this. I will just move in the opposite direction so that there is no fight. And, um, you know, then, of course, Lot chose, Scripture says, Lot looked and saw the plains of, of Jordan. You know, the, the regions of Sodom, the, it was very green, and he chose that, that portion. And in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 13, Scripture says, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Verse 15, For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Um, another translation, I, I believe the New Living Translation says, look as far as you can see because all the lands which you can see, I will give to you and your descendants. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and it's with, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. So back up to back up to verse 14 and 15. After Lot had separated, God came to Abraham and told him, Lift up your eyes. Why? Because the, the portion of the land that was left for Abraham didn't look like it. It wasn't green. It was, it was a rocky place. It was, it was, in quote, an unfruitful place. And I believe probably Abraham had some doubts. I believe Abraham was probably not exactly very happy because it looked like he had been cheated. Hallelujah. But in that state, in that state of some form of hopelessness, some form of depression, if I'm permitted to put it that way, some, some form of, um, it looks like things are not bright. The future is not exactly looking very good because I probably won't have enough grass for, for this uh, cattle that I have, for my flock and all that. God said, lift your eyes. And that's the, that's the first thing to, to coming into the inheritance. Why? He said, lift your eyes now and look from. God was calling his attention away from the immediate environment. Calling his attention away from the things that were visible to his eyes. He said, take your eyes away from the things you can see. Lift your eyes. Hallelujah. Oftentimes, many of us are trapped in, we are trapped Focusing on the things that are not working. Focusing on the things that, that are not as they are. Focusing on the things that are, 
that are below our expectation. So, oh, we expected that by this time we would have done this, we would have accomplished that. But it look, it, it's looking as though this thing is, is not moving fast enough. God is not fast enough for me. And sometimes we, we probably sleep into depression. We sleep into, into a bad place, into some form of, form of bitterness. Um, probably you have been betrayed or somebody has hurt you and all that. And you are just in that, in that environment of, of self-pity, wallowing in, 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 in your whatever evil, in quotes, that you believe has befallen you. But God is saying to you this morning that you should not look at those things. He said, lift your eyes and look from, look away from that place. You can't focus on those things. Hallelujah. You can't focus on the things that are not working. You can't focus on the things that, that, that are not looking like the way they should be. You have to lift your eyes and look away from that place. It is after you have lifted, lifted your eyes and you look from that place that you can see the promise. Why? Because at every point in time, your attention, your focus, your drive must be the promise. Hallelujah. So lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward and westward. Verse 15. For all the land which you see. And that's also very important. For every place that you can see. That I give to you and your descendants forever. You see, that speaks to me that... The things we can see, our sight in the spirit, our ability to see in the spirit is, is directly connected to our inheritance. Hallelujah. What you can see, if you cannot see it, you cannot inherit it. You can't come into that inheritance. If you cannot visualize it, if you cannot see it in the highs of your spirit, the promises of God to you, if they have not become real in your spirit, if, if they have not become real in, in your heart, you cannot actualize those promises. He said, for all the land which you see, I will give to you. In other words, the places that you cannot see, you cannot come into those places. That tells me that our ability to come into our inheritance in God is vastly limited by the things we can see. It doesn't matter what God has promised. If you cannot see it, you can't come into it. And this morning, we are trusting God for sight. You know, but it is not just to see. Before this place, he told Abraham, lift up your eyes. Why? Because it's even good. For example, we are we are enclosed here and if you tell me to look as far as I can see, I can't see much why? because there are things blocking my sight right? I'm, I'm in an enclosed space and there's a limit to what I can see but God by his mercies like he did to Abraham will bring us into a position of elevated sight so that we can see far hallelujah bringing us into a position of you can imagine if um, my head office at Marina is, I think it's about 14-story building. When I go up to the 14th floor and I look at the environment, I see 
almost from Marina, I see almost as far as I see Eco Bridge, Steady. You see Todd Milan Bridge. You see those places are far from that place, but because you are in an elevated place, you can see far. And it is my prayer this morning that God would help us to ascend so that we can see. Why? Because God is calling us to look. God is calling us to, to lift up our eyes and see. For as far as we can see, that is what we would have. There are possibilities in God that we would only come to when we can see. Hallelujah. You see, the, the, the thrust of this message this morning is the fact that we have so much locked up in God for us that we have not even accessed. We have so much locked up in God. But our ability to come into those realities depend on our ability to see those things. And when I'm talking about seeing, I'm also talking about believing. Praise God. Because if you cannot see it, if you cannot capture it, if you don't believe the things that have been spoken to you, if you don't believe the promises spoken over you, you will not, you will not have the faith to push for the realization of those things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll come back to this scripture. I want us to, let's open to the book of John chapter 14 verse, verse 1. John chapter 14, verse 1. I say unto you, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, um, another translation says, the, 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 the simpler translations actually, in my, this one says, in my father's house are many mansions. Of course, we have described this in the past that it's, it's, um, it's the limitation of English, right? Um, you have mansions in a house, but the, the correct interpretation is the fact that in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. There are many allotments. There are many rooms. So you have a big house. And there are many rooms. And Jesus said, if it were not so, I would not have told you. I have gone to prepare a place for you. In other words, you have a place in God. You have a place that has been promised to you in God. And you need to come into that place. Why? Because that is your place. That is your allotment in the spirit. In my, it's like saying, in my father's vast hectare of land. You have a portion. You have a plot in that place. But you see, it's possible for you to be in a great house. Yes, you are in a great house. Everything is good. But you are just in one room. And you are not, you are not exactly uh, maximizing the access that you have to that house. There are rooms, there are treasure rooms that you have not unlocked. There are treasure rooms that you have not opened. Those things, you have access to those things, but because of ignorance or because of unwillingness or probably laziness or you are just contented with the place that you are because you are already in the great house anyway. But God is saying to us, it is time. We need to unlock the rooms. 
there are portions for us, there are locations in God that God is saying we need to come into. We need to unlock those allocations. Allocations of grace. Praise the Lord. You see, I, I want us to understand this morning that we, we are in a realm of possibilities. Scripture says that to him that believes, nothing shall be impossible. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. That is the realm we operate in. That is the realm where we, where we find expression. That is our world. The, the world where everything is possible. And you see, we need, to, we need to begin to realize and understand and believe these things. That this is where we are. This is where we operate. All things are possible. As I'm saying it now, some of us are still actually like, is that what is true? You see, the, and my, my, my prayer this morning is that God is going to help us to take away this veil of unbelief that has limited and, and, and hindered us. Because there are many things that God wants to do through you, wants to do through me, but scripture says, those, um, it said, I think in the book of Mark, I think chapter 5 or chapter 6, he said, and God and Jesus couldn't do many miracles in that city because of their unbelief. They just, they just under, they just underrated him and said, ah, we know him. Is he not the son of Joseph the carpenter? Is Mary not his mother? Uh, James and John are they not his brother? Don't we know his sisters? How can he come and and be bobbing us that is the Messiah? And they did not believe him. And he said, a prophet is without honor in his own home. He said, and he marveled. He was surprised. He was surprised. You see, when we dwell in unbelief, God is not, it's not like God is angry. He's just surprised. He's just marveled. Like, ah, these guys don't even trust me. He's marveled. He said, he marveled because of their unbelief. Verse 5. Now, he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Just just a few, just portions. But you see, in that same land, in that same city, if they had believed, Jesus had capacity to do many mighty works like he did in many places. I'm saying to us this morning that if, if you undervalue yourself, if you don't place the same value upon yourself that God has placed upon you, you are changing yourself. Hallelujah. Why? Because there are realities in God with your name attached to it. There are, there are ministries, in quotes. There are anointings. There are realms of glory that God would want us to attain to. And your name is attached to it. But you need to believe. Why? Because it is as far as your eyes can see. That is what you can come into. If your eyes cannot capture it, if that reality is not born in your heart, those things will be there, but you will never get them. Hallelujah. So, what we become, whatever we are going to become in God, is dependent on the things we can see in God. Um, the, the, the messages you are hearing, the, the emphasis of God to us, they are meant to, you know, help us to grasp these things, these realities, to paint pictures to, to paint pictures of hope, to, to paint pictures of faith in our hearts so that our hearts can begin to, perhaps, by God's mercies, begin to connect some of these things, right? Because 
for example, we, we, we hear messages of conforming to the image of Christ. And if we are not careful, it looks far-fetched. It looks unbelievable that in the days of my flesh, can I conform to the image of Christ? If you don't believe that word, you can't come into conformity. Why? Because you need to believe that word so that you can walk towards it. By, by walking towards it, like scripture says, we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. Do you understand? You, you put in the work. You pay the price. But if you don't believe that word, you won't do it. You see, um, you see in places where the gospel of motivation, material prosperity is preached, you see the effort those guys put into those things. That is why they get results. Why? Because they, they believe. The reason some of us are not getting results is because we don't believe. We listen, or we are just like, is it real? Hallelujah. Oh, there's a prophetic word over you that God is going to do this and do this and do this and you are looking at yourself. Amen. Me. Do you understand? You are changing yourself. Until you rise up in faith like Gideon, you would not come into that inheritance. Why? Because you need to cooperate with him. It's not something that God will do. He won't, he won't override... It won't, it won't override that your unbelief or that unwillingness. Mm -mm. It needs your participation because you are the one who will do the work because it's going to be doing it through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, we, we are trusting God to, to take away blindness, um, to take away the blindness of unbelief. I, I, I wrote something here. I said, unbelief is a veil that blinds us to the possibilities that are ours in God. And until that veil is taken away, we cannot access the things that are ours. And you see, Abraham was there. In chapter 14 of Genesis that we read, God gave the promise. Yes, maybe he believed to an extent, but the guy was still, was still somehow by chapter 15 of Genesis. Let's see chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. The word do not be afraid in chapter 15 verse 1 was said to a man that just came out of the war. Hallelujah. He just came out of the war. A war where he defeated five kings. Sorry, where he defeated four kings that defeated five. Am I correct? Or five that defeated four. Four kings that defeated five. In chapter 14, the war where, you know, Lot, his cousin was taken and all of that. And scripture says that in Mashal, 318 men, you know, born and trained in his house. He went after four kings. When we are saying kings, we are talking of kingdoms, countries as it were, cities, you know, armies, kings and their armies. So four kings banded together against five kings, five kingdoms. Speak Nigeria, Ghana, you just speak five western countries against um, five North African countries in a war. Then a single man that had the weight of a nation 
because of the promises of God. With 318 men born in his house and trained, he defeated four kings and their armies. That defeated five kings and their armies. That same man was the man that in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1, God was saying, do not be afraid. Do you understand what I'm saying? That man, how, how, can, how can that kind of man be afraid? But he was afraid. There was something hitting him up. There was something eating him up. Do not be afraid. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Verse 2. Now, but Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me? Sin, I go childless. And the hair of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. That was a problem. Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, no one born in my house is my hair. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your hair, but one who will come from your own body shall be your hair. Then he brought him outside. Now you can see. Then he brought him outside in verse 13. In, sorry, in chapter 13. He spoke the word to him and all that. Look from where you are. As far as you can see, I will give to you and your descendants. In chapter 15, verse 5, he said, Then God brought him outside. Enough of, we need, to, we need to make you see. You need to visualize these things I'm saying. Look now towards heaven. You remember chapter 13, lift up your eyes, right? Now, look towards heaven. Again, lift up your eyes. And count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, and he believed in the Lord. It was at this point that he believed. He believed in the Lord and he accounted to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of her of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, how shall I know? This is where faith has come in. This is when belief came in. Because he began to engage God on the things that God has said. Hallelujah. The proof that you believe the things that God has spoken to you is, is that you start engaging God on those matters, on those issues. Those issues become your meditation. Those issues become your prayer point. You are asking, okay, so God, how are we going to go about this? What exactly are you saying about this? How shall I know that I will inherit it? Then God cut a covenant. Why? Because God will not commit himself until our faith has been established. It is at the point of faith that God commits himself. God established the covenant at that point. Hallelujah. Because he needed his faith. He needed his participation. And, you know, after this time, Abraham still went ahead and did the whole of Ishmael stuff and all of that. And then, in fact, at a particular point, I think in, in chapter 18 there, about when God came back to him again, after all of Ishmael and the Lord told him, see, Abraham... As for me, my covenant is still with you. You are the one that went out. Of, you went out of the covenant, but I'm here. When you are ready and you have come back, we'll continue this journey. And God began to talk to him again about Isaac and the promise. He said, Lord, just let Ishmael leave. Then God said, eh, this promise I'm talking to you about is not Ishmael. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is faith that triggers God's commitment and covenant. It is faith. Praise the Lord. 
Okay, so um, just still looking for that, this issue of faith and, and humbling. Remember the children of Israel, right? At the point when they were supposed to enter, Joshua, had, sorry, Moses had led them to the borders of the promised land. Then he sent out 12 guys to go spy the land. 10 came with what? An evil report. 2 came with a good report. You know, based on the things that they saw in the land. And because of the evil report, God was unhappy with them. And he said, of course, the whole nation of Israel believed the ten other people as against Joshua and Caleb who brought the report of the possibilities. You know, and those guys said, see, yes, we saw the children of Hanak. Yes, there were giants in the land, but we are able, more than able to take this land. And that's the attitude of faith that God requires from us. It really doesn't matter that we are seeing giants. It really doesn't matter that uh, uh, we are seeing things or we, we see mountains in our way. There is that attitude of faith. There is that declaration and speakings of faith. Like Jesus said, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that if you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. And Jesus was speaking to a particular mountain. He was not speaking um, in, in, in figurative terms. He said, this mountain, he was showing his disciples, this particular mountain, if you speak to it, it will go. But you see, the children of Israel did not believe. But it wasn't, it wasn't the giants. The giants were not the problem. The problem was the fate of the people. It wasn't the giants. It was the ignorance of their heart. It was the blindness of their heart that did not make them believe God. That was the problem. And that was what God needed to deal with. And it is the same with us today. The, the, our problem is not our problem. Our problem is what we are concentrating. Our problem is that we are concentrating on the problem. Rather than concentrating on the Lord. Praise God. We give attention to our issues. Much more than we give attention to the Lord. And when you begin to focus on the problems and the issues... It is magnified. Then you worry. Then you are afraid. Then you are demobilized. You, you, you actually cannot do anything because you become helpless. Why? Because the problem is magnified. But we need to be people like Caleb and Joshua. Yes, they saw the problem. Like the other people. They saw the children of Hannah. They saw giants in the land. But they also saw that the land was fruitful had good products and they also saw that God had given them the land that's the people that we should be so when, when, when you focus on the issues, focus on the problems, you, you diminish God, the problem becomes magnified, but when you shift your attention and you lift your eyes and magnify God and know that you are more than able to take this thing then you begin to see those things fade away. Why? Because, like I said, the problem is not the problem. The problem is what we are focusing on. Hallelujah. So, in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, God began to describe to us the, the, the character of that nation of Israel that they could not enter into the land. Why? He said they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. They couldn't enter. The land was promised to them. It was theirs for the taking. But they could not enter in 
because of unbelief. And it is the same with us. And that's why in that particular place, Hebrews, yeah, thank you. In Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, he began to say to us, he said, Today, if you will hear his voice, adding not your heart, like in the day of provocation, let unbelief not be found. Let unbelief not be found. That veil of unbelief must be taken away. And it is faith. Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that is why God is coming to us again and again and again to emphasize the same things. Why? Because unbelief must be dealt with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 9. Back up to verse 7. Let's see that we can. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eyes had not seen, nor hear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for you who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. These are the things I'm talking about. Hallelujah. The things that have been freely given to us. I told us earlier that we have portions in God. There are things for us that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not come into the hearts of men. But these things have been revealed. Your natural eyes will not capture it. Hallelujah. But these things are revealed. And when these things are revealed to us by the Spirit, we have a responsibility of responding in faith and partnering with the Lord to see the accomplishment of those things. Eyes have not seen. And then Paul began to pray for, you know, for the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, he said, When I heard of your faith and your love, I began to pray that the Lord will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Hallelujah. Why? Because if you cannot see the hope of your calling, you will not walk as you should walk. So it is important that the Lord would open our eyes, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can see the hope. The moment you sight the hope of your calling, the way you walk will be different. Your journey with the Lord will take a totally new shape. Why? Because you are seeing hope. And hope does not make us shame. Hallelujah. The reason some of us are laid back Complacent is because we have not seen the hope. The thing has not been born in our hearts. We believe it mentally, but we have not seen it. Oh, the hope of eternal life promised to them that believe. The hope of conformity to the image of Christ. That thing, it has not landed. 
is still, we shall believe it, shall we are hearing it. Hallelujah. The moment hope lands, ah, everything changes. But God is saying that our eyes need to be opened. Needs to be opened so that we can see the hope. We can sight the hope. And because our, our sight affects our work. Praise God. We saw Abraham. You know, that's the, that's the base scripture. Um, Genesis chapter 13. That's the base scripture. After he saw the land, scripture says, I think in, in verse, verse 18, it said, and, he walked, and the Lord, no, verse 17, sorry. God now told him, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Did you get, did you get that, that, that connection of between what he saw and where he walked? It was, when, it was after he saw it that he could walk through the land. If he didn't see it, he wouldn't be able to walk in it. And that's what I'm saying to us this morning. The calling of God upon your life, the calling of God, the purpose of God upon your life, until you see it, you can't walk in it. The anointing of God upon your life, until you see it, until you realize it, you can't trigger it. You just, it will just lie there dormant. Why? Because your sight in the spirit affects your walk in the spirit. You walk according to the things you can see. And the level of, your, the, level of the light you have, determines how far you can go. And that's why God must heal that blindness this morning. Another, let, I, I just want to show us one or two things. You know, before I leave, why this issue of God opening our eyes is important. You remember the story of Adam and Eve? When the serpent came, you know, in the garden and engaged Eve. Did God say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? And he said, no, 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 no. He just said, of the tree, you know, in the middle of the garden, we should not eat. For in the day that we eat it, we shall surely die. And the serpent said to her, actually, you will not die. You will not die. But in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open. Then you will be like God. Genesis Genesis chapter 3. He said, In the day that you eat of that tree, your eyes will be open. Your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see the eye that opened here, that was the blindness that we are talking about. Why? Because, as scripture says, I think in verse 6, then, of course, Eve took the bait, ate of so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and head. She also gave to her husband with her, and he had verse seven. The moment that the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, did Satan tell the truth? He told the truth now. Their eyes were opened. 
But their eyes were open to the things that their eyes shouldn't have been open to. They began to see the things they shouldn't have seen. And they became blind to the things they should be seeing. He, he tricked them. And that's the blindness we have. So we, we are so, our eyes are open in the flesh to the world. Our ambitions, our, our dreams are earthly. We, we can easily recognize glories in the world. You know, ah, we see evils. We can, we, we can easily see people we want to be like and all of that. And, you know, we, we can be engrossed. Why? Because our eyes have been opened. But you see, this eyes that opened needs to be shut so that we can see the things that Satan blinded us to. So, he brought them into a new civilization. He brought them into a new reality outside of the realities that are in God. He denied them. They became blind to the realities in God because they saw that they were naked. And God came, how? How did you know that you are naked? Oh, you must have eaten of the fruit of this tree. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the tree that ministers this intelligence that you now have. But that intelligence, that new intelligence that they now had, blinded them to the intelligence in God that they should have been, you know, accessing. Why? Because God gave them access to all the trees in the garden except that one. Even the tree of life was not, was not prohibited. So it was the desire of God that they would eat of the, tree, of the tree of the garden and they would eat of the tree of life. But the moment they heard of the forbidden tree, scripture says, that God sent an angel to block them from accessing the tree of life. Hallelujah. So, that thing, that tree of life that we were blocked from, yes, Christ, all these things have been restored in Christ, right? All these things have been restored in Christ. But the veil must be taken away from our hearts so that we can access the tree of life. We are joining back to that tree of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that veil must be taken away. That veil must be taken. And that was why Paul was praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Why, why is the issue of sight important? In the whole testament, um, a blind man in the old testament was forbidden from entering the temple. In fact, not just blind, a lame man, anybody who is defective, who had any form of deformity in the body, was barred from entering the temple. But you see, I'm, I'm focusing on the issue of being blind and you know being lame and all of that this morning. In Leviticus chapter 21, if we read from verse 16 to 23, we began to see that God began to, you know, describe to the children of Israel the kinds of people that were forbidden from, you know, offering service in the temple. Okay, let's see it. Let's see. Leviticus chapter 21. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, No man of your descendants in succeeding generations who has any defect, may approach to offer the bread of his God. For any man who has a defect shall not approach. A, a man blind or lame, who has a mad face or any limb too long. A man who has a broken foot or a broken hand 
or is a hunchback or a dwarf or a man who has a defect in his eyes or eczema or scab or is a eunuch. No man of the descendants of Aaron the priest who has a defect shall come near to offer the offerings made by fire to the Lord. He has a defect. He shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, both the most holy and the holy. Only he shall not go near the veil or approach the altar because he has a defect. Lest he profane my sanctuary for hide the Lord sanctify them. What does this mean to us? It means that for us to and you see, yes Jesus has bridged this gap, right? That even though we are not perfect but we have been made perfect in Christ. So because of Christ, we can approach, you know, to bring sacrifices and offerings unto the Lord. But the, the import of this is the fact that if we are not holy, we cannot offer to God an acceptable sacrifice. I'm not sure if we got that. The places we read, Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Leviticus 21, 18 to 23 described, you know, the kinds of people who cannot, you know, offer sacrifice or bring offering to the Lord. They can eat of the bread of the temple, but they cannot be serving priests in the temple. Why? Because they are not whole. Lame, blind, hunchback, dwarf, and all of that. They are incomplete. Now, many of us are incomplete. We are not whole yet. We have diseases. We have we have defects in our souls. But we can approach God now. Why? Because Christ has perfected us. We are accepted because of the perfections of Christ. Right? But the intention of God is not that we remain in that state of imperfection. It is that we journey out of that imperfection so that we can offer God an acceptable offer. Hallelujah. As long as we remain imperfect as long as we remain deformed as long as there are sicknesses and deformities and blindness and darkness in the heart we cannot offer god an acceptable offering we cannot serve him acceptably and you know as scripture scripture says i think in the book of hebrews hebrews chapter 12 i think verse 28 where we're going to say something like um see that you serve god you know in a, 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 give him an acceptable service with reverence and godly fear Therefore, since we now thank you. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace that we by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. There is a way to serve God. We cannot bring God an acceptable sacrifice. If not for Christ, if not for Christ, none of us qualifies to be standing here. But you see, the what that should trigger in us should be the desire to please the Lord, the desire to become better and better until we look exactly like Him. We will not bear those infirmities. Praise God. So we would ensure that the issues of darkness in the soul, the issue of the blindness of our heart are taken care of. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says something like, I say unto you that no longer walk like, like the dental walk according to the blindness of their heart or something like that. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that they should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. I told us earlier that our sight 
affects our walk. Right? Now, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. So, these guys were believers. They were walking in a certain way that they should not walk. And the apostle was now telling them, guys, you need to stop doing these things. You need to stop doing these things. Why? Because it's affect, it will affect your service. It will affect your worship. Because of the ignorance, no, sir. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So you see that that walk, that wobbly walk, that wobbly lifestyle was as a result of the blindness of the heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? As a result of the blindness of the heart, the understanding was darkened. So, as long as believers remain in this state, and believers can be like this, right? Believers can be like this. Those, those people cannot give God an acceptable sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know that even in the Old Testament, you cannot offer a defective animal to God as sacrifice. You can't bring a defective, any, any, any animal that, that had a defect, you can't bring that animal to the temple. And that was why God was angry with those guys, I think, either in the book of Agai or Malachi. And he was saying to them that the things you are bringing to the temple, can you give it to your governors? The kind of offerings you bring, because he had already told them, don't bring this type of thing, don't bring this type of animal, don't bring this type, don't bring this type. But at a time, backsliding Israel began to bring some of those things. Of course, the priests collected, and God was angry with them. He said, these things that you are bringing, uh, probably around one blind goat or one blind uh, animal somewhere. He said, this thing, the form that it is, can you give it to your government? And he was saying, if, if you call yourself my people, he said, where is my fear? Where is my hope? Hallelujah. What the blindness of our heart does to us is that we are not able to serve God with only reverence and godly fear. We won't even understand it. We will just do things anyhow. And would hope that is accepted. Hallelujah. But it will not be acceptable. God wants us to do better and better. Better and better. Hallelujah. Let's see Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. Because you are not giving attention to sight. Because knowledge, you know, I said earlier on that the blindness talks about our ignorance. And the cure for that ignorance is knowledge. We begin to receive the knowledge of God. I, I, I began to pray for you that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God, right? So it is, in, it is as we grow in the knowledge of God that grace and peace is multiplied unto us. He said... People, believers who is people, children of Israel, 
now horse destroyed for lack of knowledge and because you have rejected knowledge I will reject you from being priest we would not qualify to give him offering we would not qualify to offer sacrifices we would not, we would not qualify to bring him acceptable worship hallelujah 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 but we all with unveiled face Remember, we are talking about as far as your eyes can see, right? We all with open faces, open eyes, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How are we transformed? Beholding, seeing the Lord. Seeing the Lord. We all with unveiled faces. If your eyes are open, then you need to be beholden. He didn't say, he didn't say we all with unveiled face beheld. Beholden. Why? Because it has to be a continuous thing until we are changed. As we are beholden, we are changing. We are changing. And, and that's what we are doing this morning. The speakings of God to us is us beholden. Why? Because he's opening himself. And as we, as, as we are listening, we are beholding. But we must do more than listen. And we see that we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the same image. Into the same image we are seeing. From glory to glory. So the question is, what are you seeing? What are you beholding? What are you seeing? What are you beholding? What are you giving attention to? Because scripture is saying here that we become what we behold. You become what you give attention to. You become what, what takes the bulk of your time, as it were. You become what you give importance to. We all. All of us, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed. We are being changed. That tells us it's a process, a continuous thing. We are beholding. We didn't behold today and start beholding tomorrow. No. We are beholding. We are fixated on the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22. Beholding. Sorry, verse 18. Okay. Hey, verse 18. Go to verse 18. Let's see. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. You see, some of the things we were talking about, you know, about um, not being able to access the temple in the book of Leviticus. Filthiness. Yes, like I said, Christ has perfected us and we are accepted in Christ. So we have access and all of But we need to lay them aside. 
those deformities, we need to lay them aside. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, observing his natural face in the mirror. Um, I think the whole KJV says, is like a man beholding, beholding his face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Are you seeing this progression because of where I'm going? But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We all behold and continue. Now he's saying and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So it is not just enough to hear. Must be a doer of the word. And he likened this to a man beholding himself in a mirror. So you come before the mirror when you come before the mirror, what do you, why do you need a mirror? To see yourself. Why do you want to see yourself? Sir? To know how you look. Uh-huh. To make corrections. Right? You want to, ah, okay, ah, this my shirt is, ah, I need to iron this shirt. It's, it's rumpled. You know, ah, this thing is not standing well. I need to adjust. Do you understand? Now, you said, James, the earlier person said, that there's a particular man that looks at himself in a mirror and goes away without making an adjustment. That's just the man that hears. Right? He now said, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues. Why? Because when you continue, you will see. The part, I like the fact that scripture refers to it as the perfect law. It is perfect. You are the one who is imperfect. So the perfect picture, the mirror of God's word, shows you yourself. Right? You, you begin to see yourself in the light of the scripture. And when you begin to see yourself in the light of the scripture, you begin to make adjustment according to the scripture. Why? Because the scripture becomes to us the mirror that reveals the perfect image, which is Christ. Then you begin to adjust yourself according to the image that you're seeing. Do you understand? You're making... But for you to come to this place, you have to continue in it. You have to continue. It is something that is continuous. It is, it is something that must become a habit. You look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein. Being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And how does this work? So you see that, oh, Jesus is merciful then you are trusting God that God will also open your own bowels of mercy that you can be merciful. Oh, you are saying that Jesus is saying that if you do not forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will not forgive your trespasses, then you are trusting God for grace and help for forgiveness if you are holding on to bitterness. That's changing. That's looking into the perfect law of liberty. You are, you are, you are, you are seeing the characters of Christ and you are imbibing them deliberately. You are praying them into your life. You are, you are changing. As you, are, as, you are, as you behold, you are changing. As you obey the word, you are changing. Sometimes it doesn't look like you are changing, but you are changing. 
Why? Because you are giving attention to the word. You are giving attention to obeying the word. You are committed to obedience. Hallelujah. You are changing. And that's how you change and change and change and change until your reflection becomes the image of Christ in that mirror. Hallelujah. Is that, is that clear this morning? Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. We are trusting God this morning that the blindness of unbelief, the veil of unbelief will be taken away. Why? Because there are allotments for us that we need to come into. There are, there are, there are realities in God that we need to come into. And you see, when I'm, when I'm saying this, it's not, just in, it's not just in God alone. Even in, 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 in our natural life, in your businesses, in your career, and all of that, the things you come into is as far as you can see. The promises of God for your business, for your career, for your life, those things will not, even in the natural, they will not even manifest if you cannot see them and plug into them. Hallelujah. So we, we, it's something that we must capture. But more importantly, there is something God wants to do with you. Hallelujah. And you are not too small for it. And we don't have time. Praise God. I think that's where I'm going to end this morning. There is something, you see, there is a call of God. And when I'm saying a call of God, it doesn't mean that you come and be a pastor. Right? I'm just saying that there is a purpose of God attached to your life. And you need to find your place in the body. And you don't have time. Alright? Oh, the people spoken it to you, you did not believe it. You don't have time. Time is fast spent. The day is fast spent. The night is coming. It is time for you to believe the word of the Lord over you, the things spoken to you, the things you have picked in your spirit, the things, scripture says um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the things that the spirit has revealed to you. It is time to begin to engage those things. Why? Because you don't have time. And you are not too young or too old. Hallelujah. You are not too young or too old. I just want to throw us a challenge. I want to just throw a challenge. You see, one of the... I remember when I was in school. I was speaking to... Okay, so... Two of my friends, just I think some of us will know them, of course. Pastor Sheehy and um, SP. I think I remember we were speaking in school one, and I was saying to them that, of course, we're much, we're much younger in our 20s, I think. Yeah. And I was saying, ah, Omo, at um, 33, just already finished everything he needed to do, and he had died. You know, sometime last year, that reality dawned on me again. That the things that God wants to do with me, I am not too young for it. You know, there's a way you can look at yourself and me. Me. <laughs> me, prophet. How? How now? Do you understand? 
and you feel that you are too young, you are too small, but you are not too. Ah, I was checking some of these guys we read about in scriptures. Do you know when God called them? 17. 15. I think apart from oh, Roland. No, let's not even talk about those ones. Jeremiah was 17 when God called him. And that's why in Jeremiah chapter 9 he was saying, I am but a little child. And God told him, don't say you are a little child because I have ordained you a prophet and I have done this and you would go to every place I send you. I have fortified your forehead and you are going to break fortresses and do all of those things. And the Lord told him, what do you see? I see an almond tree. He said, you have seen well. He was 17. David was 15 when he was first anointed king. He was, he was 30 when he became king eventually and all of that. But by the time David killed Goliath, he was about 22. When he killed Goliath too. That means, I know he killed the lion and the bear before he killed Goliath. I'm just trying to challenge us. Do you understand? Joseph was 17 when they sold him, when his brother sold him to slavery. Okay? And by that time, he had the sense of purpose that even when the wife of Potiphar came to him, he could say things like, see, this is not even about me. Eh? I can't do this thing and offend my God. He had that sense. At Okay, maybe he had spent maybe probably one or two, probably at 120. He was 17 when they sold him. So at 120, he already had that sense of purpose. Daniel and his friends were about 18, 19 when they were sold to Babylon. At that time, after they had lectures and they had taught them all the wisdom of Babylon and all that, at that young time, they could say things like, and they decided that they would not defile themselves with a portion of the kingdom. Do you, are you saying, are you, I'm trying to challenge you so that we know we are not, we don't have time. Ezekiel was 30, the mighty prophet Ezekiel, he was 30. I know most of us here, if we are not, if we are not, in fact, most of us are above or around, around that age. Okay? So I'm saying that so that none of us is excused. Tanya, how old are you? Eh? No, I just wanted to, uh, so that I don't want anybody to, because the, the, I think the smallest one I used is 17, so that you're not thinking, okay, maybe, okay, Kotikon. Kotikon, Ah, hallelujah. We don't have time. There is a lot of ground to cover and we don't have time. We have wasted too much time doing relevant things. Now it is time for us to move, you know, on the wings of the spirit, with the speed of the ego. As far as your eyes can see, we need to start running and walk through the length and breadth like Abraham did. And you see, I, 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 I mentioned those guys it is not to make us feel inadequate because sometimes when you see this, you can go, ah, you know, I was surprised when I saw Paul, 
the whole, the mighty apostle Paul was 30 years old when he began, you know, so all the time he was persecuting Christians and all of that, he was about 25, 26. But by 30, when God handled him and the guy just caught fire and moved on. Deep is calling on to deep this morning. God is calling us to a great cause. There is a, he's, he's throwing us a challenge. He's throwing, throwing us the battle. And you see some of us have started, yes, but we need to move faster. So that, don't, don't, don't begin to feel sorry for yourself. Even though it looked, it's looking like you've wasted time, you can recover time. Hallelujah. Paul said, I worked harder than any of the apostles. It is not me, say it was the grace of God. Why? Because he said, I came late. Ah, when he realized, ah, oh, more, 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 this Peter, James, and John, this guy saw, ah, they were with Jesus. Now this guy walked, ah, no, 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 no. I have grounds to cover. Then he moved swiftly, not wasting time. Not wasting time. We don't have time again to waste. We need to move to fulfill the call of God. The call to inherit God, the call for conformity, the call to ministry. As the case may be, in whatever form it is, we don't have time. It is time for us to arise and ascend the heel of the Lord. It is time for us to say, yes, Lord. Like, like Isaiah said, he said, I heard the Lord and they said, who would go? Who shall we send? Who shall go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Who is that person making that commitment to the Lord this morning? Here I am. Send me. Irrespective of my, I'm, I'm, I, I won't even say again like Jeremiah that I'm but a little child because I'm not a little child. If you can use Jeremiah, if you can call Jeremiah at 17, then you can use me. And I'm available. Hallelujah. I pray God will give us understanding in Jesus' name.